Welcome to Tilth Talk Radio. Today we're going to be talking sulfur. In our spotlight, we'll take a look at some machinery news. A history minute, we're going to talk about the history of the pigskin. Cool beans, and that's corny. We'll have some current events, and we'll wrap things up with a Field Good Friday. With me today are Bill Schomburg. Hey, guys. Todd Schomburg. Hey to all the Tilties out there. And I'm Matt Brueger, all with Tilth Agronomy. So the Super Bowl was actually pretty competitive. I, I was surprised the way it started looked like it was just going to be a shootout, and then I mean, it was a shootout. It, it was, was very but, high scoring, but not. There was defense played also eventually. Yes. So it was a good game. The hold, the hold was not a good call, but. Whatever, it was still fun. Yeah, it was a it was a hold, but do you make that call with a minute to go in the right. Super Bowl? And that was definitely uh, Greg Olson's take on it was not to call that. Those two actually called a good game. Yeah, it was yeah. Greg Olson is because I'm like all season I was like he's okay, and people said how good he was. I'm like yeah, whatever. He he that was he did a good job. I don't remember the other guy's name. Kevin Burkhart. Yeah, that yeah. guy seems interesting, but he's good. He's fine. Yeah, he's definitely more of the the dry side of the the so, tandem, but it works. So two things, right? Like the hold doesn't get called. They still can kick a field goal. It's a further field goal, right? Oh, and their their kicker I had already missed. Yeah, he would fairly made, easy. He, I mean, it was. It would have been, instead of like a 20-yard, it would have been a 35, 40-yarder, right? But Hertz would have had more oh, than eight had, seconds. Yeah, he would have right. a minute some. With, yeah. yeah. He wouldn't with, have had to throw just, in a... What was up with his Hail Mary? The, the <laughs> limp, <laughs> the limp hail, hail Mary. The, like, uh, does Rodgers need to go talk to him or what? Yeah, I was that was that was like I was just, surprised how short that fell to be. It honest. felt like when you're a kid on the you know the middle school playground and you know you just wind up and you chuck it and you're not even close. It was like wow, or like at halftime at the Packer games they do that um, where the high school quarterbacks come out. Oh and yeah, then they, like yep. some of those got just bomb arms, and then the next day comes out. It was like, like oh, okay. I I almost like. Stopped the TV, ran it back to see if it hit one of the guide wires for the cameras. Oh, like sky cam. Yeah, like, I don't a, think so, no. but like I, it was just like, how does an NFL quarterback come up that short? Apparently, he was not warming up his arm on the sidelines. I don't know. He just, yeah. I'm so. sure it'll be talked about in their locker room for a while. Yeah. All right, the big news is the commercials, right? So yeah, yeah here, there actually were some pretty decent ones this year. Yeah, we even got to see Giannis in a commercial. That was cool. Giannis, what about that dunk in the third quarter? What dunk? The Google Pixel commercial where you can take whatever you want out of your pictures. So Giannis, Giannis didn't get poster. He took himself there. out. Yeah, that's pretty for a most sports people wouldn't even. You know, if you came to them with that commercial idea, they'd be they wouldn't want the embarrassment of sure. that keep Right. It like, wasn't a positive thing for him. No, it was like him taking himself out of a situation no, like where he LeBron, dunked on. I know when he's gotten dunked on in the you know, he just tries to push on. So it's pretty cool that Giannis he's he's awesome. Like yeah, Giannis is the best. He pretty much embraces everything. 
Either way, you know. And he's a big Culver's guy now. Yeah. Like, he, he wanted, he was, like, saying how good Chick-fil-A was. And then they weren't given enough free nuggets or stuff to do it. You know, like. They didn't the, give him anything. Yeah, right. And then Culver's now is giving him stuff. So, yeah, he's been. And, like, donated, like, a bunch of diapers to some. Oh, really? Yeah, oh, to some Milwaukee nice. shelter. I'm sure you could Google machine it, Todd, and find it. I mean, Giannis and Culver's, that's about the perfect marriage right there. You just, you couldn't get any better than that. And then the other good commercial you guys, I didn't see this one real time, but you guys brought it up, was, was Bush Light commercial, which they they always seem, I mean, we we like Bush Light, so, of course, the, the mountains of Bush Light. Yeah. I think that was last year's was good. Right. Old and smooth survival skills. Three things are required in the great outdoors. Food, drink, and shelter. Hello, I'm Sarah McLaughlin. With just dollars a day, you can help helpless animals find shelter. Wrong shelter, Sarah. Also, that's a wolf. Head for the mountains. Yeah, I did enjoy the uh, Sarah McLaughlin trying to do her animal commercial and then realizing she's sitting next to a next wolf, wolf and, like, creep away. Like, <laughs> <laughs> no, they were, they were fine. I feel, I feel like you used to have really high expectations for the commercials, and now they release them ahead of time so you can kind of wreck it, but they were still good. Yeah, there were it's, a couple that caught me by surprise, like the Ben Affleck one where he's, like, serving Dunkin' Donuts. That was great. And then having J-Lo pull up at the end was, was a good move. Like, Ben, what are you, what are you doing? Like, hang on. Guy, guys, I got to go. <laughs> that still is a weird relationship to me. Like this, that they're back together. Yeah, like this. Right, she went from being married to A-Rod. A-Rod. It well, A-Rod. it's A-Rod. It's, it's A-Rod. Yeah. It's the other A-Rod kind of. Yeah. yeah. The first me. A-Rod. Yeah. And then like him and A-Rod are back so completely different. Right. It's got Boston guy, and then you got this your cousin from Boston. Yeah, there was a. I think Sam Adams had one too. I didn't see it during the game, but I watched it afterwards, and it was like everyone in Boston being nice to each other, and like even being nice to New Yorkers, <laughs> and then it's like all a dream. Oh, and the guy's <laughs> like, ah, I forgot my wallet. Can you spot me or whatever? And the lady's like, no. So he doesn't get his Sam Adams beer, but yeah, no, there were I would say more good ones this year even than last year. But like the last few years, it's been kind of a slim pickings for decent Super Bowl commercials. Yeah, we didn't have the the agriculture one we talked about last week was aired locally, so right. we didn't really see yep. that. Yeah, yep. but that would have been an interesting one. But there was no like remember when they had the corn war thing yep. with the corn beer and. Yeah, just the, the... Oh, yeah, the corn syrup with Bud Light and Miller. Yep. yep. And God Made a Farmer. I mean, that would still be a legendary... Super right. Bowl. That they did that in the Super Bowl is still awesome. Yeah. So not, nothing quite like that, but like you say, Matt, it was like a good... Just, they were good. Yeah. yeah. No, the game was yeah, good. They were bad. Commercials were good. Did you guys care who won? Like, did you care? That was awesome. I didn't care yeah. at all. And it was fun to see Mahomes win and... and Andy Reid is awesome. Right. I mean, yeah. Packer I, I decided to root for the Chiefs ahead of time. Just I didn't care that much 
other than like not, like we talked about last week, like you got and Sue being on the Eagles. Yeah. It was like, eh, I I wouldn't mind seeing him lose, but and he did, so it was all right. I do f- feel bad for Jason Kelsey if he retires now, though. If that's like mm. how he goes out, but uh, to Trav- get beat by your younger brother. Yeah, Travis Kelsey though is playing like now he's they're a, playing. He's awesome, but like he's playing yeah. this weird like wrestler th- like. You called us the underdogs, and we're oh, the yeah. best. You know, no, like, in his interview, the first thing, yeah. Right, and then, and like, even Mahomes' since then, wife has yeah, oh, jumped on like that bandwagon, that, too, which yeah. she's it's annoying like, as it is, so. It's like, nobody's, nobody nobody said you were bad. Nobody like, said you were bad. Everyone said you were going to be good. Like, yeah, they might have talked about Buffalo, like, maybe beating you, but. It wasn't like, you're not going to make the playoffs. Yeah. Not, yeah, no, no. It was it was that you're good. So that, that part, at first I thought it was cool, like, that mentality, but then the more he's been playing that, it's like. All right, that's an like he needs to find his like. Remember the repeat thing? Like that was awesome when uh, uh, I was gonna say Doug Flutie, but it's not it. Doug Who's Flutie. our really fast wide receiver? That oh Don Beebe. Don Beebe, yes, Don Beebe. Just you know, you get some cool chant at those things, or yeah, it, it's it's supposed to be more fun, not like yeah. They said we couldn't. That is one thing with the Eagles. Like fly Eagles fly is like too long of a thing. Like you see, my wife's like, "What? What are they even? What is that?" Like in the background, like, "Oh, they're doing like fly eagles fly because they they scored a touchdown." But yeah, right. it was a good game. Yeah, no, you not guys a are, disappointment. You're ready for not a disappointment? Uh, Always, hopefully. I guess. <laughs> then you should change the channel. Do you have, then you do should you have, stay you, tuned. Are you promising something? I'm not. Uh, don't write checks yeah, that your body I, can't cash, Todd. <laughs> no, are are you suffering from long-term yield loss? Has it been a long... Oh, no. Uh, yeah. Long-term yield loss. Are you suffering from long-term yield loss? Is it a long suffering or a short, short suffering? Is there a pill? There, a little there, yellow pill? Kind of, kind of, case, kind of gray. It comes in a pellet, pelletized form, yes. Like, do we have to shoot the corn with pellets? I, w- I would not I don't, recommend Yeah, that. no. There's foliar feeds for this as well. No, we're talking a sulfur. So are you guys a pH sulfur or F sulfur kind of guys? Do you, do you spell it ever S-U-L-P-H? Yes. And then sometimes I write E-R instead of U-R too. Or is it S-U-L-F-U-R? I'm sure I write it wrong every time. I usually do the F-U-R, yeah. yeah. You, or you, just, you do pH sometimes, Bill? Sometimes. Is it? Ooh. Yeah. That is the, uh, that's across the pond where they <laughs> write it that way. Here we do the, do we, we have to the like do the O-U then? Like P-H-O-U-R? I'll just do S. Just, just go S. Just, just go the capital S, yeah. Yep. yep. No, this starts because there was a recent article in Farm Journal AgWeb where Ken Ferry, agronomist to the stars, said you need to treat sulfur like a macronutrient in corn to boost yields. So he's doing all the agronomy for this, like, sports player collective that's yes. buying farmland? Now. Yes. He that. probably isn't on that somehow. So, so yes, he, which, you know, sulfur, I don't want to say it doesn't get headlines a lot, and especially, you know, kind of out of season. But when it is in the headlines, it just seems like lately we do need to talk about it. Looking back at other articles... There's about in 08 or 2012 when it started really hitting the news again of like, hey, we should think about sulfur. It's not just, you know, it's 
we need to start fertilizing for it more. We need to start just thinking about it. I think for us, it's it's been for a long time a thing that we pay attention to and have talked to our farmers about. Especially, I think part of ours is in alfalfa. It's a huge needed nutrient. So that that part of it, I mean, we've been, you know, I remember Plinsky doing elemental sulfur forever, Mm -hmm. you know, for alfalfa establishment and for alfalfa. You know, and then you go to AMS and some other sort of sulfur sources. But manure is also a very good source of sulfur. So that's part of it, I think, too, where we've got that part that usually, you know, you're getting a 1 to 1.5 units of sulfur out of manure. So it's it's also a very good source. I, have a, I had a 2 the other day. You had what? A 2. Ooh. A 2 sulfur. I don't yeah. know that I've ever seen that. I've yeah. had 1.8, but uh, never Ooh. a 2. A two. Yeah, it was a big deal. That big, should, yeah, it's that, a big day. That's one of those you should print and like put on their barn fridge or there something. There you go. You know, circle that. Did you put like a little sticker on the pit that said caution might be acidic? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I wonder if they're like, like triple the dose in their in their foot baths <laughs> or like. Sure, where, where there was a tragic foot bath accident. <laughs> yeah, so much sulfur. Yeah, you might want to check your copper, copper levels, levels yeah. as well. In that, we did uh, do that. Remember that once yeah. the lab sent it, and we did like isolate one farm that was that was very like, high. higher high, than yeah. everybody else. Yep. Yeah, yep. So, 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 why is more sulfur needed today? Well, it's very easily tracked back to like when the three of us were kids. Like, it wasn't global warming going to kill us. Well, it Bill was a kid. You and I weren't born yet. <laughs> True. Well, but I'm still saying that was, like, a thing they were talking about is of acid rain. Yeah. Like, how it was going to kill us all and how bad acid rain was. And, and it, it was bad, but the crops loved it. Like, they yeah. they enjoyed uh, that sulfur bath they got. So, basically, when the Clean Air Act of 1970 happened, that changed... A lot of the regulation for sulfur in the air and just a lot of um, changes for businesses and, and how they had to to reduce the pollutants going out. So that changed how we basically in the Midwest were getting sulfur. And you look at the map and it really wasn't happening, you know, out west. It was kind of like Wisconsin down was the line. Even Iowa, Minnesota weren't really getting that much of the sulfate ion deposition. It was blows me away how much like Pennsylvania, New York. Right. They were getting just like everything was floating their way. Ohio. Yeah. So like you look at the nineteen eighty five map and you basically you know, from Wisconsin down to what you know Uh, Carolinas. Some of the Georgia and then up through Maine was getting 20 to 40 pounds of sulfur through acid rain. And you zoom forward to the latest map I could find was like 2008, 2012. And now basically there's a couple pockets here and there. Kind of, it seemed like depending how far you're downwind of like a Chicago or Gary, Indiana, or right, because it's southern Illinois, Indiana, a little bit of Ohio, Pennsylvania. Even that they were saying isn't really, it's very. It sort of depends, you know, on the weather and what you're getting. So basically now you fast forward to we're getting maybe five units out of the rain. But usually it's sort of the zero to ten, zero to five range of basically we cannot count that sulfur from acid rain anymore to helping our crops. It's it's somewhat there. It's maybe helping, but it's not 
sort of there that we can count on it. So between like the f- four or five-ish pounds you get from organic matter, maybe maybe if you got a 3%, you're getting yep, nine so pounds, right, or eight. And the acid rain, you really aren't getting much anymore. Right. So zoom in the sort of easy math, and there's a good, it's very old, but it's still good, Keith Kelling publication from UW. It's the A2525 Soil and Applied Sulfur. What's wild with this publication is parts of it are, you can't even, you like the acid rain part in here says, basically says you're getting all this sulfur, but we got to ignore all that. And then... The rest of it's pretty good, though. And one interesting thing, it basically starts out saying, you know, although sulfur is described as a secondary plant nutrient, largely because it is not deficient as often as nitrogen, phosphorus, and potassium, it is as important as any major nutrients. In fact, many crops contain approximately equal amounts of sulfur and phosphorus. So we always count, like, phosphorus in the category of a macronutrient, and it the amount of nitrogen and potassium needs, you know, is higher than that. But we don't usually count when we're thinking of phosphorus. You don't think of sulfur. not even close. Right? No, no, no. And and in a way, these two are equals in in what they take and what they need. So that really does show that we've got to be thinking in, of it more. And think of our soils in Wisconsin, so where we do have manure and. You know, we a lot of we've got some really good soil test phosphorus levels that maybe we should be thinking of phosphorus way less and and sulfur more. So, yeah, I just that well, they compared it. I didn't. It's I never interesting they compared it there because that you know when we think of sulfur, we usually more think of it like nitrogen because I, it is leachable and it is yep something no, that no, you're right about that, Matt. Is it's more of a sister to nitrogen in that you have nitrate, nitrite, you have sulfate, sulfite, sulfite. Yep. So they're They've got similar forms, so that is a very good point. Is it's, it's more of a, it really just compares to phosphorus in the amount needed. But if you want to make good comparisons, it would be to nitrogen. Well, and I was talking to uh, Doug yesterday, one of our colleagues, fellow agronomists, and Doug, shout out. The think thinking of when I thought it was Doug from the uh, Liberty Mutual commercials, <laughs> not Limu, Limu, and Doug. Yes, no. it wasn't that Doug. No, no. Okay. Okay. Doug's um, probably it was our our Doug, not that Doug. Okay, he's probably sturgeon spearing this morning, but um, but yeah, just w- that's something to think about when you're going to apply your sulfur too. Is you know it is potentially leachable, so it's not something you necessarily want outside of the growing season. Like putting it out in fall may not be the best solution because it may not be there come spring. There was a very large tie to that to organic matters in, in texture of soil. Yep. So. It, did say in the UW publications that fall on kind of heavier soil isn't as bad. It seems to hold it. Right, but sandier your, soils, sandy soils. Worse. Yep. You want to you want to do it in season. So then, in talking about the nitrogen kind of comparison, that matches up almost exactly right. Like when we want to when when we're targeting nitrogen applications, we should be targeting sulfur applications. Yep. Yeah, and that and. Thankfully, some of these sulfur sources, like ammonium sulfate, yeah, have yeah, nitrogen yeah. with them. So yep. it kind of works that way. And ammonium Even with, yeah, with liquid, you have amthio or ammonium thiosulfate. So that makes sense, so. too. Is And they do seem to be a good tandem in that. I think we, when you talk to certain farmers, say you're getting a new farm you never worked with, and they say, well, I, you know, 
how much nitrogen do I need to grow 200 bushels? You know, like they always look at nitrogen and they're not mm-hmm. looking at the full gamut. And sulfur is a big one where if you can really overdo nitrogen in comparison to sulfur and it's not helping, you know, you, you could reduce your units of nitrogen, up your units of sulfur and still grow just as good of a crop. So, Bill, you were getting at this is it is kind of the old math is we need so what does corn need? It's fifteen to twenty five units of sulfur. It seems to be more on this twenty five end is what we're kinda of aiming for as far as what corn needs. You get eighteen you used to get eighteen units from the rain and then for every percent of organic matter you get two point eight pounds of sulfur. That's a UW number two that's a so to do easy math, say you got three three organic matter times the two point eight, that's eight point four units of sulfur you're getting from the soil. So that hasn't changed, but the amount from the rain's changed. So back in the day in the eighties and nineties, you know, we were getting twenty five, twenty six units just for free, basically. Um even in sandy soils you probably had just about enough to get you through. So what has changed is now we need another strategy of you are going to have to supplement some sulfur. And to, to be honest, what we've seen the easiest way is just do the math right from that 25 units and start figuring back what your organic matter is going to give you. Um, do you throw a little bit in your pop-ups, or excuse me, your two-by-twos, not in your pop-ups, but your ammonium thiosulfate, you throw a little of that in, and then you throw a little AMS maybe with a urea application, and you're there. Um, or with manure, like Bill said, you might have some up to two pounds per thousand gallons, but you know, there you're getting enough, but say you're going 12,000 gallons of manure and it's a one, one unit of nitrogen or excuse me, sulfur, you got 12 units there and you kind of just do the math to get your 25 units would be your goal. Yeah. I think that makes sense. How much elemental are you guys? Like, I think for me, I need to push that more with my alfalfa, especially like we're focused on the calcium, the, the gypsum, you know, and yeah, I do like calsol too. That's know, one we haven't right. talked. Yeah. Right. In the alfalfa. But I wonder if we need to make a, a bigger push to elemental and hard part with that. I always feel is like just the distribution, like the efficiency of it. It might be lower because you got, 15 pounds per acre and you're spreading you know think about what 15 pounds on an acre looks like you know the the fertilizer granules are so spread out right um i do agree with you bill is elemental you're playing the long game right you know and that's going to break down over the next couple years so that is one thing i got to do better of kind of putting those in tandem is having some elemental in there to sort of break down over time yep but then you still get your your quick fix. Your, yeah, your calcels, your ammonium sulfates, kind of for your your quicker needs. So, so you are right about that, is maybe you got to incorporate, especially on alfalfa, you know, that second year of alfalfa, you put that in there, and it's going to be there for basically the next couple of years. One thing that Ken Ferry's article did say, so we were kind of talking about what UW said for corn, you know, still stands strong of just, Make sure you're thinking about sulfur and do the math to get there. On soybeans, uh, Ferry's research is showing, basically he's saying he's not seeing a yield response to his sulfur in his soybean plots. 
versus the corn. And it says following corn. So part of that reason could be, you know, you're you're getting enough sulfur out there in corn and you got a little bit of breakdown and it's kind of working into the soybeans. So um, main, you know, even us, we're mainly focusing on sulfur on corn and alfalfa. Soybeans, not yet. I mean, there's certain times maybe where it's getting a little bit here and there as a foliar feed or in a in a sort of two-by-two two situation where you're maybe planting with a corn I was, planter. You I was just going to say that, Todd. You think about a soybean root versus a corn root, and, and the mass is so different, right? It's fibrous versus this tap root that, yeah, it does have some laterals, but just if you're going to do sulfur and beans, you almost, my thought would be is you got to band it right right on, right on during the, by the seed, you know, so that that root can reach it. Are you guys doing much sulfur on beans, soybeans? I mean, not really. I've, it seems like I've tried it on, you know, like again in the two by two starter where you turn it on and off, and not really seeing necessarily a response or anything like that either. So beans are fickle, you know that. Yeah, and there's beans are hard because there's usually other things that are a problem before sulfur yeah, in right. soybeans. So that one seems to just be one that you you take care of it in the corn. And then that's this first step in NF Alpha, and, and you should be good to go. All right. So there you go. Sulfur doesn't fall from the sky anymore. Got to make sure we put it out there. Now we'll move into our spotlight for today. So when it comes to equipment... There's lots of options out there, and Case IH has a half a dozen new Steiger models for you to consider. They've introduced six high-horsepower AFS Connect Steiger series tractors with boosted cab comfort, AFS Connect data management, and high horsepower. The new articulated four-wheel drive models are the Steiger 425, 475, 525, 555, 595, and 645. So for generations, Steiger Series tractors have made been made a household name across countless operations, according to Mitch Kaiser at Case IH Marketing. And Steiger and Quad Track tractors are big models. We see them out there even for things outside of agriculture or agriculture adjacent like tiling and a lot of that stuff you'll see. These big equipment tractors, peak horsepower running from 467 horse to 699. The tractors have a power range as the highest articulated four-wheel drive tractor on the market, according to Case IH. So there's construction options as well. They've done a retooled cab, integrated overhead grab rails for operator security, Improve the door handles for easier entry and exit. Premium sound option, so now you can rock out in your stagger, get some mad beats going. Enhanced. You, sp you spend a lot of hours. You right. might as well rock it out while you're not trying to hit the rocks. Enhanced LED lighting package with output options for a 360-degree night lighting visibility, so it could light all around the tractor. Todd always said that wasn't a good idea. <laughs> you were the one that said the chiropractor told you lights were the worst thing that were invented yes, for farmers. Yes, and they sat in the cab longer. And yeah, sure. Yeah, messed up their backs. Which this probably is a premium seat. Yeah, right. Right. 
Maybe it has a massaging option. Who yes. knows? Uh, new front and upper roof side RAM mounts for easier display mounting and an additional that, front console the, storage. The RAM mount thing is awesome to me that they're integrating RAM mounts now. Sure. And then, like, think of all that space like above that they're kind of not using. So, yeah, I think that'll be a really cool addition. When is it? When is there going to be so much stuff in the cab that the driver can't see out of it? Well, that's when you don't have a driver anymore. Yeah. True. Touche, Matt. That's <laughs> when the little robot runs the machine. But yeah, pretty cool. Now you can trick out your Steiger. All right, let's move into our Ag History Minute for today. <laughs> Today we're talking pigskin, since we had the big game last weekend. So for decades, players and fans have referred to the ball as a pigskin, despite the fact that the ball is not made from the skin of a pig. Today's footballs are made with cowhide. The Wilson Sporting Goods plate in Ada, Ohio, has made the official Super Bowl football for every game. While no one there was present the creation of the first ball, the folks with Wilson do know their football history. Turns out the original footballs were made using a pig's bladder. Uh, many historian, historians note that before the 1850s, uh, they were made from the tanned skin of a pig, but it's more likely that it was made from the bladder originally. The bladder would be used then to help inflate the ball, but the nickname for a pig skin, despite being made from cowhide, has endured. Has a better ring. Pig skin? Pig skin. Yeah. The cow old hide. leather chunk? The old cowhide. What if they were the old pig bladder? That doesn't <laughs> sound very good. No. Pig you bladder. kids Gross. get outside and kick that pig bladder around for a while. <laughs> nope. Never heard mom say that. No. Nope. Yeah. No. I That Wilson makes those... Balls, like, if you ever seen the process, how they make them, it's super cool. And no. The amount of footballs is insane they had for the for the big game. It was 200 something, really? something crazy. Yeah. Wow. wow. That seems I mean, I think they were trying. Seems a little know, excessive. Well, and they sell, you know, yeah. gameplay ball. And Was it, like, a different ball. ball every series or I, something? That's what I was trying to watch if they were coming in that much. But, I well, mean, you got kicking balls. You got When different. you think about, like, how many of those players keep them. You know, like right. the what's the name Bolton, the guy that got the, yeah, he was the his first ever score, touchdown, like or one of the wide receivers too. I thought it was their first ever touchdown. Yeah, because that they were showing too that the after that touchdown he kind of like dropped the ball and did a dance, you know, his and one of his teammates was thinking like went and scooped the ball up yeah. and made sure to give it to him, which was smart, right? Because nice, yeah, you'd you'd want to keep that. All right, thank you, Matt. Thank you to our listeners. Please subscribe to the podcast and tell a farmer friend. Heck, tell a farmer enemy. I don't care. Tell your neighbor. Tell whoever you would like to tell about the podcast. All you need to do is search Tilt Talk Radio in Apple Podcasts or on Android. You, we use Podcast Addict, Podbean, or Player FM are all good applications to use. If you need to listen on your computer or smartphone browser, you can go to tiltagcom slash podcasts. We're now available on Amazon Music, and you can follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Tilt Talk Radio. All right. Thanks, Todd.
Now we'll move into our cool beans. That's corny and some current events. So cool beans. Cool beans. Cool beans. Cool beans. Our cool beans this week is DOJ is weighing in on the right to repair court case. So if you're not familiar, there's the farmer, basically kind of a class action suit coming out against John Deere over repair restrictions on their tractors. Farmers wanting to be able to repair their own equipment on the farm as they have for many years before. Uh, DOJ filing says that farmers could face higher repair costs due to restrictions on repairing equipment and that the court should reject John Deere's stance that a competitive market for tractors and other agriculture equipment equates to competitive market for repairs. Uh, DOJ said the case was similar to a 1992 Supreme Court ruling against Kodak relative to copy machines where the court ruled that Kodak restricting access to replacement parts by independent repair shops has been an antitrust violation. So um, DOJ has said that this restriction does increase financial pressures on farms, noting an uptick in family farm bankruptcies nationwide since 2014. So they were silent on whether they thought farmers would be successful in the suit, but they did kind of seem to support the idea of right to repair and that there is precedence of other rulings that have affected cases like this. So It did say the DOJ was silent on whether they thought farmers would win the, the case or not, like right. if the suit would be successful or not, but it is kind of a good thing to keep saying, no, we want to keep... We do need the right to repair these machines. I mean, what would farmers do all winter if you couldn't fix your own machines and really do deep dives into stuff? John Deere did say back, like... They, they said 98% of repairs can be done. Get, so. Right, without using a dealership. So I, I do think, in general, these are still very repairable machines. It's just we see... I mean, we even see it with our players' four-wheelers that you need the special player's tool to to look into the computer of the player. You know, we're right. on a, a vehicle now. Well, is kind of a... So many things are run by that computer that... Right. You mess that up, it's potentially going to be pretty bad for your tractor. I, I well, mean, that's the other it's part. It's going to potentially be more expensive to, if, if you mess that up. Mess right. that part no, up. No, I'm not yeah. saying to jailbreak computers, but to be able to repair, you know, repair your tractor is still a good thing. But at the same time, if we don't allow farmers to do something, like... The dealerships can't keep they up. They can't keep up either. Right? right. Like, we got to be able to do something, or these farmers won't have a tractor to use because they're waiting for the dealership to get through get all their. their yeah. Right. If you're orders. Mid harvest, trying to call a dealership to come out and do something, and they're working on somebody else's tractor because they're in the same boat, you know, you're. That's going to cause a lot of issues. And it has caused issues. All right. Our That's Corny this week. As you may have noticed, if you watched the Super Bowl last Sunday, players were slipping crazy on the turf grass, which was developed by Oklahoma State University. The grass at State Farm Stadium is on a giant tray that is rolled in and out of the retractable roof stadium. So one of the big things coming out from some of the players was it was like playing like it was like playing on a water park, according to Eagles tackle Jordan Maleda. 
State Farm Stadium has a history of having issues with it. Players have complained about field conditions at the BCS National Championship between Oregon and Auburn that was there in 2010. Same thing with the college football playoff game between Alabama and Clemson in 2015. Fiesta Bowl has had its share of grassy slip-ups as well, so this bowl was no different. Um, There was even talk at the end of the game, if you guys remember, with that final game-winning field goal. Like, was it a bad thing for Mahomes to back it up into the paint? On the field, that I thought was going to sure make it worse for the kicker. Slip and, and right before that, they had the kickoff the from kickoff. the Eagles. Yeah. And it looked like oh, the guy yeah. was the guy practically going to break his ankle. Yeah, he was lucky he didn't. I wonder, like, it's sad that Oklahoma State has to be, like, named in this because that's obviously a bad look for that university. But how much is it, like, get the right cleats, guys? Like, is that part of it or not? That isn't never talked about. They did show a big pile of shoes on the side that they were trying different stuff. Yeah. And then part of this, too, they won't let players on the field, like, before the game at all. Oh, well, sure, like, especially this like game, right? They said most fields are used to, like, say, when you fly in Saturday or Friday before the game. You get can, some time on you get, it. Yeah. yeah, you get some. Well, and think about you, you go to the Packer game early enough. You go an hour or two. Like, I've been there two hours before because my boys want to get there early. The players are out right. doing their thing beforehand. Whereas this, they don't let them as much because they want it to look perfect, yeah. which... Like you say, it doesn't. It's not a good look when you're slipping all over either. And then the amount of paint they had out there was crazy. Was a lot. They said yeah. the grass, this newer, like I think it was like Tahoma, grass, yeah, it's like Tahoma something well, they called the new, and it sounded like it it holds up to like traffic real well, but it must make it you know more sure. slippery than two or something. And then you throw paint on it. And the crazy part with our technology today, like even watch Brewer games this summer, like every inning. The back of the mound has a different logo on it. Is that like TV? Yeah, they're not changing that on the field, sure, right? Right. So you're so, right. so why, why do they need to paint the field? Like, right. There's only what sixty thousand, eighty thousand people that are seeing that painted field. Like, yeah. No, you're right. Actually, they could make they could TV just, do that. They could put the whole thing as like right. a big green screen and put all kinds of stuff on, and change it, like you say, right. so people could. Yeah, you're right about that. They don't need that much paint. Maybe I should go to the Raj and there you go. <laughs> you're you're losing market share here. You yeah. could be changing logos every series. What's interesting, I thought, and they mentioned it during the game, and again in this article, is uh, the Chiefs kicker, that's actually where he got injured early in the season was that same stadium oh, really? in the game against the Cardinals. Yeah, Nice. So it kind of makes you wonder if that first missed field goal was kind of like him having some PTSD is, uh, some of like, that, I don't yeah. want to hurt myself in the Super Bowl. But, you know, it's State Farm Stadium, so, of course, Patrick Mahomes should have a pretty good shot yeah. at winning there. But So that would have been the perfect State Farm Bowl, huh? Rodgers and Mahomes. Rodgers and Mahomes. State Farm Stadium. Same Farm Stadium. Yeah. But would they, have, would they still have had the advantage because Andy Reid has now been in Ooh, yeah. the State Farm commercials? As long as Cellcom was used for the, <laughs> for the headsets, headsets, then we would have. Clearly the best. All right. And now we'll wrap things up with our Field Good Friday. And this actually comes a little before the game this last weekend, but a Kansas dairy farmer made a manure mural born out of a labor of love for Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs. So they have a picture here of he basically went out and spread a number 15 into his field. He called it his crappy creation since it was manure um, and found... Went out on Facebook to see if anyone with a drone could take a picture of his masterpiece. 
someone did come out and flew their drone up and took this picture that's in the article. So between having red and yellow cheese curds in Kansas City to Missouri-based Shadow Milk Company producing Chief's Red Velvet Milk, the ag industry was kind of busy gearing up for big game, serving up the Chief's-themed products for them to enjoy. And this farmer named Rob Leach in Linwood, Kansas. So went out and did the manure 15 right after they won the AFC championship title. So as he was driving out with a manure spreader, he thought to himself, I wonder if I can write the number 15 in a field. He actually did a pretty good job for I, if, if I he was it, just winging it. Right. It don't, like the 15 itself looks like you'd have to stake it out to yeah, get right. Like, you know, it's not like the one and the five don't line up and... Yeah, he he's hauled some manure in his day to be able to write like that. Right, uh, and it's, it's not a square field either. No, like, he just the field the he did it on yeah. is, yeah. I was looking. I don't know that he followed the proper winter setbacks. <laughs> um, a pond I, we, we are not agronomists in Kansas, so we have no uh, idea what the rules are there. He's definitely... Uh, uh, there was no snow cover. We can say that No, but sure. I'm guessing it's frozen, so... Uh, it's probably not capo manure, so that would be a little bit different of a setback. It's different manure, you know, and it's not. Given he has no GPS, yeah, he's probably not a capo. But and then the, his crop is also going to. Uh, yeah, he'll have a fifteen, 15 there. In there too. I'm guessing it's like a brand for yes. next summer. The amount of sulfur he's, there. He's only going to plant out. corn in the fifteen, and then <laughs> it'll be soybeans <laughs> the rest of it, it, so it'll stand out for next season. It kind of looks like a hayfield, though, doesn't it? Or grass? It's like grass or something. It's yeah. Yeah, it's hard to tell because you can see row. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. You can see, too, where his tracks are when he was trying to make the 15, like the loops. Yeah, you can yeah. see where he turned. And, yeah. But even, yeah, to shut off and, and everything and get right as clean of uh-huh. a looking five as that is, it's, it's impressive. And the one and the five are the same size. It's not like... I, like, I'd do it, and the five would be, like, scrunched or something. And It's like when you're writing, and you, like, especially in a letter or something, and you get, or a greeting card, and you get to the end, and you're, like, cramming all that <laughs> yeah, stuff. Yeah, too close to the yeah. <laughs> postcard. My sympathy. <laughs> so, yeah, he had, in a post, he said he hoped Patrick would see it on the way to the Super Bowl. So I don't know if he is in the flight path of the airport or not, but because, yeah, going from Kansas City to, to Arizona... But yeah, he was said he was hauling manure anyway, so presumably it wasn't against <laughs> the rules. I don't know. But there you go. So kind of a cool thing to do for your team, and it worked out for him as yeah. Kansas City Chiefs won the Super Bowl. So now he'll have to do it again if they make it another year. That'll do it for this week. Thanks for being here, guys. Thanks for having us, Matt. This week we talked about sulfur and the importance of it in your hay and corn crops. In our spotlight, we looked at the new line of Steigers coming out from Case IH. Egg History Minute, we talked about the history of the pig skin. Our Cool Beans, that's corny. We talked about the Cool Beans of DOJ weighing in on the right to repair case. That's corny was the turf at the Super Bowl. And our Field Good Friday was a farmer who was supporting his team out in the field. So thanks for listening, and as always, happy farming.